Today, we're bringing back a couple of sellers for our podcast listener favorites, and they're going to catch us up on all the strategies they've been using on things like Etsy product validation, Facebook advertising, and more. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. If you guys would like to network with other Walmart sellers, make sure to join our brand new Facebook group called Helium 10 Winning with Walmart. You can actually just search for that on on Facebook or you can actually go to h10.me forward slash Walmart group and you can go directly to that page. So make sure to join. You can tag me and carry with questions and ask questions of other Walmart sellers or even share your own experiences in that Facebook group. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon, Walmart, or e-commerce world. And we've got a couple of my personal favorites here who have been on the podcast before, the Double S Crew actually kind of like triple S, like my Balenciaga shoes is called triple S, but it, we've got Sharon and then the other double S here is Shan Shan. How's it going, guys? It's going great. How are you? Going great. I'm doing just delightful. All right. Now, guys, uh, we're not going to go too much into their backstory because we've had them on the podcast before. So if you want to see their original episodes, Shan Shan was episode 234. And then Sharon has actually been on here twice uh, in room 112, where the players dwell episode 112 and then 231. So we're just going to like use this episode to kind of catch up with, with what you guys have been, um, ha- have been doing in the world uh, of e-commerce um, and, you know, things you've started doing, things you've stopped doing, things you're maintaining. It's all good information because, uh, you know, like, like I've always said on the show, I like, you know, capturing real life people, real life stories, you know, who are not, you know, major influencers who are going on the speaker circuit like kevin king and stuff it's great to hear from them but you know i learn from people like that but i get inspired by people like you because that's who we can relate to so let's start with uh, shan shan now um you know th- this is kind of a, a timely story because i remember how originally you started in masks and so now all of a sudden now you know mask mandates are going away left and right they kind of did a while back too like a year ago or something and then they they came back you know but like you, you probably saw the writing on the wall a long time ago, and that's why even more than a year ago you started to kind of like diversify the the product categories you're in, right? Yeah. So um, I mastered really well uh, the first year, 2020, but then I knew it couldn't last forever, and um, I knew I had to, you know, quickly get some new products to maintain the sales. Um, so the first year I did mass. The second year I basically maintained, maybe did a couple launches here and there. Um, but weren't a huge success. And this is my third year. And this third year, I'm like, you know, mass banners are really going down. So yeah. um, I need to launch 50 to 100 products this year. That's my goal. Wow. <laughs> that is ambitious. I like that. Now, right at that time, when we had you on the, the last one, you were just getting into kind of like new categories for you. It was like the socks and, and kind of like clothing. H- how did that end up? Me personally, me personally. I'm not, I'm not trying to say this like, hey, nobody should sell um, apparel and things like that. I was always scared of like the apparel because of like return, you know, like nobody's going to return a mask. You're right. But I would think, you know, but, but like, I'm like, man, what if returns are too high or people complain about fit? Like what were your ups and downs in this new category? Um, you know, in the last year and a half. 
Yes. So I had three categories, and I'll tell you exactly how they went. First um, were cl- like uh, socks, like accessories, right? Um, they actually did pretty well uh, because it's one size fits all. There's not a lot of returns. Um, and they were small and they were light and they were simple. The second category was dresses, which did not make money. I actually would have had more money if I didn't launch it because <laughs> I lost money on that um, because of returns. Yeah. And, mm. and women's fit fashion is just very fickle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third category was lingerie, which okay. was even worse than dresses. Because now, not only do you have the returns that you have to deal with, one thing I didn't realize, and I should have realized this earlier, is you can't do Amazon pay-per-click with lingerie. That, that's oh, limited. Yeah. So now, now that I think about it, that kind of, you know, I, I guess that kind of makes sense because, you know, probably the images are a little bit, by definition, a little bit risque or something. They don't want it just showing up on random you know, you, you got some like 10 year old shopping for something on Amazon and then <laughs> lingerie picture comes up. So I guess it kind of makes sense, but wow, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. So like, it's not, you know, like there are some categories, like for example, I'm doing this case study that I've talked about on this show, like for, for hemp cream, it's like a hemp pain cream. Now I can't, you can't do, you can't get brand registered for that. And so you can't do sponsored brand ads, headline ads, sponsored display, things like that. But I can do product targeting and ASIN targeting. But are you saying like in lingerie, you can't even do that? I don't think you can. Yeah. I tried to launch it immediately within a day. Amazon prohibited the ASIN. So no matter how many campaigns you start with that yeah. ASIN, it will just keep getting banned. Okay. So then, so then the dresses and the lingerie, like, did you just like try and sell out and just retire those, um, those lines or you, you still just trying to do it on other platforms or what's your strategy there? So the lingerie was a total bust. That's just money lost um, and a lesson learned. The dresses, um, last time we talked about the 80-20 rule, even though 80% of the dresses failed, one kind of succeeded. So out of the six dresses I launched, that's one that kind of succeeded. So I actually did keep ordering more of that one. And I'm hoping one day it's going to be profitable. It's, yeah. it's almost there. Um, the returns are just a little bit lower and the reviews are good. It has some promise. Um, and then and then socks and accessories are going well. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Now, when we when we had you on the last uh, show, I'm looking at my notes here. You know, we always talk about goals and, and it's great if we can reach the goals, but if if you don't reach your goals, it's the important thing, guys, is, is don't give up. So your goal that you had said was, hey, I, I want to double my business overall because, you know, you were dip- – I, I remember, you, you know, for those who hadn't heard it yet – um, you know, she she gave up a a, a six figure like corporate uh, job in order to to really go all in on this uh, e commerce thing, and so you were having to dip a little bit into your savings. You know, back in back in those days, you know, and that's how it is when you when you start a, a business online. It's not like you're a you're a six figure seller from day one, right? So, how did you do with that goal? Like, were you able to increase your sales? And if so, like, was it to the point of not having to go into your savings anymore? Um, you know what. The good news is right now my sales is more than 80% not masks. So the mix is now most majority not masks. Um, the downside though is remember I said the second year I didn't do much. I just maintained. Yeah. See, that's when I should have done those 50 to 100 launches because now I'm late and mm-hmm. therefore my sales just overall went down. 
Okay. Um, yeah. So now this is this is my year to ramp back up and get aggressive yeah. again. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about you know the strategies you have planned out and, uh, and that you've used. I know you you're actually pretty cool for some non Amazon strategies, and we'll de- we'll definitely get into that. L- let's switch uh, to Sharon now. Now now Sharon. Um, it was actually great meeting you in person, you know, since yeah. since the last episode we had. I know that was always uh, I I always wondered if that was going to happen cuz cuz you told me that you don't like to fly very very <laughs> much. So I hats off to you for uh overcoming your your fear of flying. Uh I don't know if you heard my episode. I did like my own personal life story kind of thing and and I talk about that how sometimes there there's some stuff that you just have like as a complete phobia and you can't do. Like it's not a mind over matter like me and eggs. Like like I'll eat um, you know, like cake and stuff that has eggs because I don't taste it. But I have a mental thing where I cannot even sniff eggs or, or I'll probably yeah. like throw up. There's no mind over matter or you can't pay me $100,000 and I'm just gonna be okay with eating eggs. But then on the thing where it's like, hey, can't it's like not complete phobia, but can you overcome it in order to, to reach your goals? You know, like me, I actually... I'm not, you know, people always get surprised about this. I'm not very social of a person, but in my job, I cannot really afford to not be social. So if I go to an event, I got to like force myself to be friendly and talk to everybody and stuff. And I, I can handle it. And, and you, I'm, I'm glad that the, the fear of flying was not on full phobia uh, level for you, but you overcame that. And, and, and we met, was it at Prosper that we met? Yeah, it was Prosper. Okay, cool. So anyways, uh, that was great to uh, meet you in person and, um, we actually shared the stage there at Prosper. I was on a, a, a panel with you. So that, that was really great to see, to see your journey from, from, you know, from nowhere in the Amazon industry. Now you're speaking in front of hundreds and hundreds of Amazon sellers. That's really awesome. But, but what have, what, what's been going on with you, with, with your uh, business? Like, ha, I well, remember you had, you had uh, that one brand. Ha, have you just stuck with that same brand or, or have you tried to like, like Shanshan go into, you know, other new categories at all or anything? So I'm still building the catalog for my first brand. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the long term goal is to get enough products underneath that catalog to uh, potentially exit out with a, a sale of the business. Okay. Long time ago, but uh, I currently have uh, two products, uh, thirty SKUs. Um, but I recently, uh, la- not I say launched, but um, started a third product that has fifteen more SKUs on top of that. In, in that same kind of a niche that you were already yeah. okay, cool. Actually, the third product is competing against the first product. Okay. So then, what was the what was the thought process there? You know, like some people just might hear that. I I know you you have a reason, but you know, some people just might hear that at face value. Like, wait, why are you trying to cannibalize your own sales? So, so walk us through that. Yeah, the thing is with my first product, uh, it's somewhat in the apparel like Shan Shan is. What I feel like I've researched good enough is that. Everybody, all, the audience that I'm targeting always want the, the latest model, the new, the newest version. And what I've come to come conclude is that I have to come out with a newer model as a marketing strategy. And um, a part of that marketing strategy is to product target on both products, each other's the mm. other, the opposite product. So I'm going to leverage my brand name and the, the 4,000, 5,000 reviews I have on my first product to help launch the third product, which is in the same category pretty much the same product just the 2022 model okay okay that totally makes sense uh you know some people call it like you know defensive advertising uh you know strategy where you know the amazon gives so much real estate now on product listings from sponsor display to to you know the the whole you know four stars and above sometimes you'll see the or the other sponsored products and so you know the more you can put your own products there then then Theoretically speaking, the, the less sales you might lose to to non you know uh, 
to competitors exactly. as opposed to non non branded. Now, um, I remember you also talked about hey, you wanted to kind of expand uh, a little bit off Amazon. You know, like you even talked about QVC and and potentially other things. Like, were you able to get off of Amazon, be it Walmart, you know, Shopify, or, or things like that? Yeah, I actually uh, that was pretty much the majority of last year of the last twelve months. Um, since then, I've uh, went into Shopify, Walmart, and I just opened up an Etsy um, shop as well. Didn't do okay. QVC. Okay. Now, what's what's been some of the biggest struggles in these other marketplaces? You know. Sometimes we, I, I like to say, as Amazon sellers, we get spoiled of, of you know, it's not, it's not. I don't want to say it's easy, but but when once you you start, you know, getting on these other marketplaces, you, you kind of see that some things on Amazon are, are are pretty easy as far as the traffic and and how intuitive their PPC platform is. But what are some of the the kind of like culture shock, yeah. culture shocks biggest, you got in these other marketplaces? Two of the biggest things I've realized since uh, expanding beyond Amazon is one. Uh, there's no other marketplace out there that's going to provide that type of traffic for that type of price, right? Yeah, and yeah. two, um, product sales are, in my opinion, platform-specific because the product that I have on Amazon sells really well on Amazon, and um, it sells okay on Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, when I coach people, I tell people, I'm like, hey, if you're, think, if you're researching a product, research the platforms you want to sell it on, too. Because you, you're not going to sell a, a $600 product on Amazon as, uh, as easy as you could sell it on Shopify, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, or vice versa. What have you, uh, how has it been for you as far as Amazon to Walmart sales? You know, for some people, it's like 10 to 1 Amazon. Other people, it's like 20 to 1. Other people, it's like 3 to 1 only. Uh, how's it been for you? Yeah, I would say somewhere between 10 and 20 to 1. Okay. Okay. Now, are is that because of the size of the niche? Like, do you have, uh, do you see your competitors on Amazon also on Walmart, or is it just like not many people are searching for it on on Walmart? Like, have you have you checked? You know, now that Helium Ten has the search volume for Walmart, you know, before we used to just say high, low, and medium, but now we actually have the the numbers. Mm-hmm. Have you done any comparison? I have, but uh, one of the biggest complications for me is that. Um, the category on Walmart is half the price collectively as it is on Amazon. And because I've gotten my ROI at a certain percent, uh, a certain percentage to be great on Amazon, if I were to lower my price on Walmart, I'd be losing money. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I haven't tried their, their fulfillment uh, services yet, but um, I pass. Plus you can't really lower your price on, on Walmart because if Amazon detects that, then they'll probably take away your buy box on, on, on Amazon. Right. That's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and, and currently I'm like one of the higher priced products on Walmart in that category. And yeah. I still get sales. Uh, and that's because I believe the audience, they do price check with Amazon and Walmart yeah. back and forth. Okay. All right, let's go back to Shanshan a little bit. You know, we're we're, talk, we're on the topic of other marketplaces now. Actually, you started your journey uh, on Etsy, and you've got some, uh, from what I hear, some some like unique strategies. Of now, it's 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 not like you're just uh, using Etsy as another source of income or as another marketplace, but but if I'm not mistaken, you kind of almost use Etsy as like a, a testing ground for for your for your new Amazon endeavors, right? 
Yes, actually, you have great memory, Bradley. Yeah. I, I remember you told me that, and I was like, nope, I don't want to know anymore. Like, let's save it for the episode. So, like, that part I knew, but the rest of this, uh, I have no idea what you're about to say. So, so please inform us all. Yes, exactly. So, um, I noticed that with Etsy and Amazon, there is a correlation between how successful they are. So, if something succeeds on Etsy, there's a 90% chance it will succeed on Amazon. And that's not for all categories. Like some categories, people just don't go on Etsy, like sports categories, right? Mm-hmm. But for fashion, um, they do. And so what I would do is on Etsy, launching products is super fast. There's not even a 24-hour wait, you know? It, you just mm-hmm. literally can launch within five minutes. And on top of that, you don't need a barcode. And um, you can launch their Etsy ads very quickly as well. Um, So what I would do is I would take a product that was launching, launch on Etsy first, and launch it just for like three days and give it a small amount of um, Etsy ads budget, like $10 a day, and see how it does. And if there is a certain click-through rate, a certain conversion rate, and a certain add-to-cart rate, I know that it's a successful product. I know in the 80-20 rule, it's going to be that 20%, not that 80%. Then I take the ones that are the 20% that hit those benchmarks and I launch it on Amazon. And it almost perfectly matches. If it succeeds on Etsy, it succeeds on Amazon. If it fails on Etsy, it fails on Amazon. So this way, instead of sending expensive pay-per-click on that 80% that would fail, I'm only spending pay-per-click funds on the 20% I know will succeed. Okay. Now, now how are you, how are you getting stuff to sell? You know, cause like, obviously if you're going to launch on Amazon, you're, you're probably doing like a big production run or something and ordering a lot of units, but then how do you get the inventory to even see uh, if you can sell on Etsy or are you not even selling on Etsy? You're just looking at only the, the click through rate. I, I am selling on Etsy. So I would just launch on Etsy first and use their Etsy ads to get traffic. But, but what, where are you getting the, the I guess the, I, I phrase it wrong, like the inventory in order to, you know, if somebody does buy it on Etsy in this, in this like test, test listing, like, like, or are you actually like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and order 500 units and, and put it and hope that it sells on Etsy. So I do something very low risk. I ordered less than a hundred units on my first run. Okay. And that's my test unit. So mm-hmm. when I do launch it on Etsy, I'm selling it. And okay. so I'm just using that to gather data. Once I have that data and it's a success, a 20% winner, then I take yeah. that product and launch it on Amazon with the same uh, less than 100 units to also test it on Amazon. And then once it's yes on Etsy, yes on Amazon, then I order a couple hundred units. Okay. And then, and then probably you get some you know volume discounts and things. So maybe you're paying a little bit more for those initial runs because they're small, less than a hundred, but you know, it's, it's, you can't really put a price on the, this risk management. I, I, I guess it is to, to kind of test it. I, I like that. All right. Now, um, overall, what is your ratio? You know, I, I know I, I'm pretty sure your ratio is not 20 to one Amazon over Etsy, you know, mm-hmm. like Sharon is for Walmart. Etsy's a different beast. Like, do you actually sell more on Etsy than Amazon or is Amazon bigger? And what's the difference? You know, um, funny you said 10 to 1. That is the right amount for my Amazon to Walmart. And then Etsy is more like 6 to 1. 
So six is Amazon and one is Etsy or six uh, is Etsy? Six is Amazon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And Interesting. then, and then Walmart's 10 to one. All right. Now for Walmart and Etsy, how are you fulfilling these orders? Uh, are you using like WFS for Walmart or are you doing it all yourself or do you have a, a, a third party place who does it for you? So right now, because it is 10 to one and six to one, I just do it myself. Yeah. But eventually I do too for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but eventually when it grows, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, get Amazon fulfillment to do it or get some sort of fulfillment program. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, Sharon, um, what about you? You know, like, uh, I remember you were looking into WFS, if I'm not mistaken, did you ever sign up for WFS or are you also just using like third-party warehouses to fulfill your, your Walmart orders and Shopify mm-hmm. orders? I'm using Deliverer since I have like three platforms outside. Well, I actually have Amazon FBM as well. So I use Deliverer with two R's to fulfill my, uh, uh, by merchant purchases. Okay. And then like, have you, have you calculated the difference? Like on, for an FBA order, what, uh, you know, how much more deliver deliver is, is costing you at the end of the day? Uh, you talking about for an Amazon FBM order? No, like for example, like me, you know, I'm kind of like Shan Shan in that I, I, I handle my own shipments. Like, so for example, I actually, for my FBA and FBM or for Walmart or for whatever it is, I put it at the same price. So like, let's say, you know, project X coffin shelf is 30 bucks, right? Free shipping. I'll charge FBM 30 bucks. Now, Amazon's just shipping rate you know, it's a lot cheaper than what I can get. I just pay stamps.com, you know, for, for shipping. But with the money that I'm not having to pay Amazon for like their pick and pack plus shipping FBA inventory to Amazon, it almost comes out to like where I'm kind of like making the same amount of money regardless of it's FBA or FBA. Now, obviously 98% of my sales come from FBA, but I'm just curious, like uh, for what you pay, you know, what you know you pay Amazon for just a regular FBA order as opposed to, you just have this inventory and deliver and storing it. Like, do, would you, to make the same amount of money on an FBA order, would you have to uh, sell it for more to, to make that same profit with deliver or, or does it come out almost even? So I, I technically I do sell it for more, but how it's structured is that um, I found that the four ninety nine flat rate shipping price, a lot of customers don't mind paying that even after they find out that it's an added, an added surcharge at the end. Um, four ninety nine is just, a great number, and and for my Walmart and my uh, Shopify, they're selling pretty, you know, pretty decent enough to have deliverer fulfill for me. I just pass a part of my my FBM fees for deliver as a shipping cost. Because uh, for instance, my Walmart fee uh, using deliver is six forty two, right? And I charge four ninety nine extra on top of that. So actually, I'm paying. Two ninety nine or something like that for mm-hmm. for fulfillment. And I would do that all day. Okay. Okay. Now, what what you know? What kind of person do you suggest to follow that? You know, like for example, you know, Shan Shan. I think she she's doing the right thing, especially you know her products are pr- small. I'm assuming she'd probably use the postal system, which is pretty cheap for small items that fit in envelopes because they're just you know either masks or or socks or or, or things like that. Um, and it's not that many. You know, me. The reason why I do, even though they're bigger coffin shelves and sometimes you know higher shipping, is because I got a warehouse in the back of my house, so it just makes sense. I'm not going to use a a third party. But 
for you, why did you choose a, a, a site like Deliver? And then w- what are some other scenarios where it would or wouldn't make sense, you know, for somebody to go that same route that you're that you're doing? So, um, of course, everybody is different and everybody has their mm-hmm. own uh, reasons. I value my time. I value my, my freedom of time. Um, having a demeanor of being retired from the military, I don't want to be bogged down to anything hourly or, at, you know, devote a certain time at a specific time every day. So um, the $3 in, in fees I pay per, per sale or whatever it may be, I feel like that is a great amount of money to pay for the ability to not have to worry about sending it out and buying stamps and doing mm-hmm. everything that a merchant would normally do if they were doing it themselves. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, my recommendation is for, you know, it's it's a profit versus time balance that you uh, sure. that the individual have to figure out for themselves. Okay. and But the, the point here, guys, as you can see with all three of us, we're all doing kind of like a little bit di- different things. So that it's not like a one answer, uh, one size fits all. Uh, it's not like uh, Shan Shan socks, uh, one size fits all for everybody uh, as far as what you should do for, 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 you see how I tied that in there, guys? Okay. And yeah. for, 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 for uh, fulfillment. But anyways, b- b- back to you, Shan Shan. Um, what are some et- Etsy tips and tricks? You know, like, like of course, yeah, I, I understand. I think we all understand how easy it is to get products on Etsy, but at the same time, I know you're not saying, hey, just, just throw anything random up on Etsy and like in three minutes, you're going to have a listing and it's going to sell. Like there, what, what are some like listing optimization techniques? Like how do you find the keywords for your Etsy listing? You know, like how, what do you do differently on images on Etsy as opposed to Amazon? How do you manage your PPC? Like, Can you talk about like pretend that I don't know about selling on Etsy and, and talk about the differences between Etsy and Amazon? Yeah, sure. So. Um, on Etsy, what's really cool is that they'll tell you, they'll tell anybody, literally anybody, how many products are in someone's cart for an item. So um, if you go to a competitor, right, and you look at their socks, you can look through their catalog and Etsy will be like, this sock has 20 in their, uh, 20 people have it in their cart. This sock has zero. This sock has seven. So you can look at your competitor and know exactly which products are selling. So that is great um, product research, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And likewise, people can then go to your website and store and see which products you're selling. Um, so that's good for research, but it's also good for um, when you're doing the tests, right? Because sometimes you're getting conversions, but you don't know if you're getting add to carts. And add to carts do improve your ranking and algorithm, and that is also an indicator that your product is a success or that it could be. Um, I call these tier B products. Tier B products are the ones that aren't converting as high, but you're getting lots of add to carts. So if you don't give up and you keep at it, maybe one day it can grow to a point where it's a tier A you know, product on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a good thing for Etsy that you can look at. And the other great thing about Etsy is that Etsy tells you which keywords people use to find you on Etsy search. Amazon doesn't tell you that. Amazon only gives you the pay-per-click data that you have to buy. So that's another reason why I use Etsy for tests. You launch a product for free, and then after a week or so, you can see, oh, so these are the keywords people are finding this product on. Um, And that's very helpful for your Amazon keyword targeting. Yeah, yeah. I like that, especially, you know, because 
for people who are using Etsy uh, and things like we did on Project X to find the coffin shelf, you know, the whole reason we find product ideas on Etsy is because it maybe doesn't exist on Amazon yet. And so it's not like you can just go into Helium 10 and run Cerebra on the top five ASINs because there are no top five coffin shelves or there weren't like, you know, two and a half years ago. So a lot of your your keyword research and things has to come from these other platforms like Etsy. So that's, that's, a, good, that's a good tip right there. On images, me personally, I noticed that main image, not a lot of white background. First of all, that's not a requirement on Etsy like it is on Amazon, but it almost seemed like I would say that you sh not only sh it's not requirement, but like you literally should not use a white background for your main image because it just, it loses the the kind of like organic or, or homemade feel. Well, do you agree with me there or, or what's your strategy? I love that Etsy, you, you don't have to use a white background, but I think it's equal. And the reason why I think it's mm. equal is because I have products with white backgrounds. I have products with no white backgrounds and they sell about okay. the same. <laughs> so okay. I don't see a huge difference, but the flexibility is huge. Um, like on Amazon, they're so restrictive. Like the sock has to have a white background and it has to be standing in this specific position. Whereas on Etsy, I can have the sock like lying in a bed, right? <laughs> and have, yeah. you know, and the bed can be part of the image. And that has really helped with clicks um, because some people like to see that lifestyle image as the first image. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Etsy does have a lot more flexibility with pictures and I love that. Okay. For Amazon, Etsy, Walmart, are you pretty much for getting eyeballs on your listing, you know, just relying on the in-app um, advertising, you know, like PPC and Amazon and, and then, like you said, the Etsy ads, or are you doing any kind of influencer marketing or paid ads on Google or Facebook or anything like that? So I have a controversial opinion about Etsy and I hate this opinion. I've tried to do influencer and I also have press about the, the company and they have links to my Etsy shop and it would drive outside traffic to Etsy shop, which mm -hmm. kills the Etsy shop. And I hate that. I, for some weird reason, every time there's outside traffic, the organic traffic that Etsy brings to you, mm. that the organic ready to buy traffic where people are going to convert drops yeah. significantly. Like in proportion almost to how much outside traffic comes in. My theory and why I think that's happening is because the conversion rates go down. So when yeah, outside maybe. traffic comes in, they're not coming at the ready to buy, you know, conversion rate. They're just like seeing what's going on. So they're not really converting. And at mm -hmm. the oh my God, all this traffic coming in, not converting. We're just going to drop their organic traffic. And that is, it, it sucks. Um, so I really don't. So then it, it, would you say then if you had to do it over, some of those influencer or, or, or presses and press releases and things like that, would you have sent them only to your Amazon instead of Etsy? I think now if I had to do it over, I would sell it, send it to my Shopify, oh, Shopify. right? Okay. Where there'd be no fees and mm -hmm. there's no algorithm. I haven't tried with Amazon. I'm curious your guys' opinion, sending inflows from traffic to Amazon. I'm scared. Especially now, I would do that attribution. Look into at the Amazon attribution. Now they have some links. You know, I'm not sure if it's just across all platforms. I, I, I'm just barely getting into that. I'm always late to the game with, with things because I'm so busy here. But, but you know, certain things like, you know, TikTok links and things like that, where if you use the Amazon attribution link and it goes to your Amazon store, you're actually getting like a 10% kickback from Amazon. So like, let, let, let's just calculate that if you have a $100 product and you're paying Amazon $15 for their 15% commission, if the sale came through one of these attribution links, 
as, as I understand it, you're getting $10 back. So you're not paying $15, you're only paying $5. So then what happens is, is like, let's say it's from an influencer, uh, you know, and, and this, Paul Barron talked about this a few episodes ago, where it's almost like you can offer to this influencer, hey, I'll give you 10% commission on any sale you drive to my store. And look, I got this attribution link so you can we can all track, you know, how much you're doing. And so they're all stoked that they're getting 10%, $10 on this $100 product, but actually you are out zero on your pocket because you're getting that $10 back from, from Amazon. So yeah, Shanshan, I want you to, you obviously have some some techniques because you're able to drive traffic to your to your Etsy and and you know Shopify. So try that attribution thing. I'm curious how how that works out for you. That's huge. I did not know about this, Riley. That's something I would definitely work on because I was too scared to drive traffic to Amazon. I was yeah. scared I was going to do what happened to Etsy. Right. So right. thank you. Let me try that and see how it goes. Sweet, uh, Sharon. Back to you. Uh, are, do you use a Market Tracker uh, from Helium Ten? I don't use Market Tracker because of the variations. But yeah. I, I am using. Uh, well, you should, but just don't. You just got to know. Hey, don't put all the the child items. You just got to put one in there. Yeah. But anyways, my, my reason, I mean, regardless if you use Market Tracker or not, I'm just curious. What have you noticed over the last? If you're not using Market Tracker, I'm sure you're you're still tracking your your, your market somehow. You know, wh- how has your niche changed? Like like, are has it gotten saturated? Like, have you lost? market share where maybe you were number one or number two or number five, but now you notice that you're kind of falling down. Have you improved? You know, like talk to me about what, what's been going on there. So I, um, I, I would consider myself the top 10 style of my first product. Um, yet I am not in the top 10 spots of rank because of all the different styles. Uh, mm-hmm. What has happened with my category is there has been a lot of uh, foreign sellers, particularly mm-hmm. from China, um, that came into the market and has undercut the um, the market significantly. But mm-hmm. those who are not from foreign or Chinese sellers um, have stayed firm, and I'm so thankful for that. They stayed firm at the price that we have been at for the last four years. So um, there's clearly a bar of $25 to $35 products and $15.99 products, right? And um, I think that's good because when the, when the customer comes and see that, they can determine a set of quality. They, they, I would think that they would associate a quality to price type deal, and the yeah. reviews, of, the reviews have uh, reflected as such too. That's an important point. You know, sometimes people think, "Oh, you know, I'm making my product in China. I'm making it in in India and Pakistan." Once you know, some of these local distributors and local factories just start selling directly uh, on Amazon and they can sell it for a price cheaper than mine. Like I'm going to be dead in the water. I'm not going to make any sales because no, you know, why would they buy a $30 product when they can now get it from this Chinese or Indian or, or Pakistani company for, for only $20. But what they don't realize is, okay, maybe, you know, for those cheap skates out there who are just looking for the, the cheapest price. Sure. Maybe you'll lose those sales, but it's not like your sales go to zero because people still do understand that, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's about quality too. And they're not just looking for the cheapest price they're looking for, you know, the, the nice looking listings, the ones that have great reviews, which you have, I think you said you have, you got like, you know, three, four, 5,000 reviews already. So, um, even though you've had this influx of cheaper products, you're still st- staying fairly steady on yes. sales. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And cool. as far as the, uh, the other platforms go, uh, my way of driving traffic to them is using Helium 10's portals. I have a landing mm-hmm. page. Um, and mm-hmm. what I've done against everybody's, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say, uh, direction was 
I've created a, a landing site that has options for my customers. On my landing site, I have four links, one to Amazon, one to Etsy, one to Walmart, one to Shopify. And mm -hmm. I, I express it as such. I say, hey, um, I know you like options. I know my, because you have told me you like options. That's why I have so many colors and sizes. Uh, here's another set of options for you. For those who normally shop on Walmart, those who normally shop on Amazon, for those who normally support local businesses, Shopify, for those who normally support, you know, Etsy, here you go. And what I found, I found out in that link is that um, the clicks, you know, when you, when you look at the data, uh, the biggest landing page you have uh, is two uh, trackable links. And I put those as Walmart and um, Shopify. And those are almost equal. Okay, so so you're using trackable links so you can kind of see what people are, are clicking to the most. And, and yeah. you're saying the Walmart... And Shopify are equal to each other or equal yeah. to the, the Amazon? Uh, equal uh, equal to each other. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And okay. Amazon, I, I, I need to change that link out to an Amazon attribution link. Um, but right now, as of right now, I just have a canonical link in there for ranking purposes. Mm -hmm. And um, I have my Etsy store link in there as well. How are you even getting people into the Helium 10 portal? Is this something, are you running ads to this landing page or are you talking insert card that you're doing after the purchase or how well, is this happening? I have social media ads uh, where, where the shop now button is the link to the portal. Okay. Talk to me about that real quick. You know, I, I want to get into the strategies here, but I didn't even know you were doing something like that. That's interesting. Yeah. So what, you know, how, how do you decide who to target your, your budget? And, and do you feel you're getting, you know, Bang for your buck, uh, your advertising buck. Right. So, um, of course, you know, with Amazon being 80% of my revenue, all the focus is on Amazon and PPC ads. But the other 20% okay. that I have right now, I'm putting in towards uh, Facebook advertisement where I feel like my target audience of pregnant women from, you know, 20 and older uh, mm -hmm. dwell. And I, um, how I decided to target them is uh, leverage who is in my Facebook business page. I have 18,000 pregnant women there or mothers there now. Right. And all they're yeah, doing. I don't think they stay pregnant for, for, <laughs> for longer than a certain period yeah. of time. But, yeah. Their demographics are available to me because they're part of my business page. Yeah. And I target them. I like it. I like, and you're able to stay profitable, whatever your budget is. You, when you look at the numbers, it, it's still making sense. We're like, Hey, it's, this is oh, yeah. generating enough sales so, to cover this advertising. Enough sales from Shopify and Walmart covers the daily budget. Awesome. Love it. Love it. All right. Shan Shan, back to you. You know, we, you guys are podcast veterans. You know how we, we have our, our 30 second tips. I'm thinking maybe we can do one or if there's time to each. So, uh, what's, what's a 30 second tip that you have for people? It could be about Etsy, could be about, uh, you know, Walmart, could be about Amazon, whatever you want. Um, a 30 second tip would be to launch on Etsy and then find out what is the staff that you need to for it to be a top 20% seller. And you do that with just the products that you currently have. I found that the stat I need is I need the uh, click-through rate to be above 0.8, and I need the conversion rate to be above 2%, and I need to add the cart rate to be above 4%. And if that hits all three, then I know it's a top 20% seller that I can then sell on Amazon. I like it. I like it. She's opening up her secrets to us. Uh, all right, uh, Sharon, your, your turn for a 30-second tip from something uh, you've been doing or maybe somebody in your community you've seen done. Hit us right. with one. So um, I've had a lot of people come to me saying that the product that they chose wasn't the one that started the business and they want to liquidate. 
But um, as you all know, finding a liquidator on certain products can be hard or troublesome. And if you decide to sell to Amazon, it's pennies on a dollar. Right. So um, mm -hmm. my tip for those who are in the process of liquidating or want to liquidate a product from their catalog is to um, advertise. Now, let me explain. If you run PPC on Amazon and you discount it 50 percent or higher. Right. What we know from that is that if you do that, hijackers are going to come buy you out and then hijack your listing. And that's the fear that everybody does. Right. But if you mm -hmm. plan on selling out, you don't plan on using that listing again. Mm -hmm. Right. So I tell my uh, my guys to uh, cover your costs, cost of goods, your FBA fee. Right. And maybe two or three dollars on top of that to break even or whatever. Cover the 60 cent for the coupon that you're going to put on there and see how much of a percentage you can discount your price to. And so far, I've had six or seven people that have done that and have liquidated their process in less than two, three weeks. And not having to do it just for pennies on the dollar, like if you do the Amazon liquidations. Right. And, and most most of them have broken even. Yeah, which is pretty much all you want to do. You know, that, that's a best case scenario right there if you're trying to liquidate. All right, you have anything, uh, anything else for us, uh, Chan Chan? No, it's just uh, try all the platform, guys. Like try Walmart, try Amazon, try Etsy, have them work together. Um, and I love that Helium now has Walmart. I use it all the time. Awesome. Yeah, the, 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 I didn't even think about that. But but here we, we've got uh, uh, an episode with two people who are both at, uh, selling on at least three different platforms each, if not four. And so it's i think a lot you know three three years ago you wouldn't have heard of that you know much you know unless you're like oh i'm an eight-figure seller so of course you know i'm on all these platforms but guys you know you're a six-figure seller um you even before you hit six figures you should probably start considering selling on on walmart and, and these other websites you know like not everything can go on etsy like if you've got a you know remote control car that's like not allowed to be uh, on etsy but but if you've got something that qualifies to be on etsy it's a great platform uh, as Shan Shan has said to, to sell on it. And, you know, Sharon said, you know, Shopify guys, you know, you don't have to worry about that 15%, uh, you know, commission to Amazon. There's a lot of benefits on Shopify, uh, as well. So, so be thinking of these other platforms now, you know, at the end of the last episodes, I had you guys on, you know, I'd ask about what, what the, your, your rest of your 2022, maybe beginning of 2023 goals are. So, so, um, Shan Shan, let's, let's stay with you for a little bit. You know, maybe we'll have you on 2023, the, the summertime. What would you like to be able to say you've accomplished uh, on that episode, you know, starting starting now? So I my goal is this year is to launch 50 to 100 products. So far, mm -hmm. I've launched 30. Um, so I have more products to go. And so next year, this time, you know, I'll let you know how those products launch went. Mm -hmm. And um, right now, it's consistent with the 80-20 rule. 20% <laughs> of those 30 are selling well. Um, and I also want to delve into other uh, other venues of getting traffic and sales. I haven't been doing influencer as much, and I would mm -hmm. like to do that. So I just started. I had a couple influencers just launch uh, my products with me, um, and we'll see how that goes. So next year, I'll have a full debrief of how the influencer strategies went. I love it. Sharon, what about you? What's uh, What would you like to be able to tell us all that you've been able to accomplish in the next year to year and a half? So my supplier is telling me within the week that my third product is going to uh, ship. So I'm hoping by the end of the year that my third product is selling just as much as my first product. Um, these are the two that are going to be competing against each other. 
And uh, if that does really well, I may be, be I may become the uh, maternity guru. <laughs> maternity, <laughs> not the OG, the MG maternity <laughs> guru. Okay, I like it. Uh, Sharon, if people want to find you on the interwebs out there and and follow what you're doing and and maybe reach out to you, how how can they do that? Sharonh at gmail.com. Um, if you or Facebook Messenger is best. If you reach out to me, I can show you what I have to offer. As a average Joe trying to coach other people to make a living on on Amazon. Love it. Uh, uh, Shan Shan, how can people uh, see you out there? Uh, you can check out my, my website at millennialshops.com or my Instagram at millennialsinmotion. Um, or you can just email me at hello at millennialshops with an S dot com. All right, guys, but don't go to her Etsy store and just browse and then not buy anything. You're going to kill her conversion rate, which, which as she said, uh, hurts on on uh, Etsy. So anyways, guys, it, it's always a pleasure to have both of you um, on this show. Really appreciate the insights you gave. And, and you know, like Sharon said, it's kind of like just the, the, your average Joe's, average Sally's, but just from the sense that you could be, you know, my next door neighbor, you could be a random person that we see in the Helium 10 members Facebook group. These are people, guys, who... They gave up completely different careers and completely changed uh, their path and are now in kind of like the same boat of being in e-commerce. So any of you out there who, regardless of if you can't, if you come from, you know, a six-figure corporate job like Shan Shan did or you're getting out of the military like, like Sharon did, it doesn't matter where you guys are in life. Anybody can come and, and see a success in e-commerce without some like crazy prerequisite or some special education um, that you have. So I hope they serve as inspiration to you guys like, like they uh, inspire me. And it's just, it's going to be great to, to see what, what they were able to accomplish from these goals in 2023. So thank you guys for coming on again. We'll see you later.